Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is episode 129 for what month is it? Uh, May, of course, because we're getting EU elections uh, for May 2019. My name is Patrick Beja, and uh, today we're going to be talking about all matters of world-ending events for your uh, dismay and enjoyment. Uh, <laughs> I'm from France originally. I uh, currently am residing in Finland, but I also have people from other countries in the world. Uh, notably, I'm going to start with Tom all the way in California. How's it going, Tom? I am doing well. Thank you for having me, Patrick. It's always a pleasure to be on the Phileas Club. Thank you so much for waking up uh, ungodlyly early <laughs> <laughs> for being with us. It's it's near the time that I normally wake up, so it's not even a problem. Ah, oh, well, thank you anyway um, for that little extra or a little <laughs> less sleep that you're willing to endure. Um, and we are very glad to be welcoming again Gareth from the UK, um, who uh, who he is, as we were joking about before the show started recording, the brave soul who uh, came on the show as a uh, proponent of Brexit. So thank you for being back. No, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on again. I'm uh, glad that uh, your experience wasn't uh, so disastrous that you decided never again. So thanks for that. No problem, no. <laughs> um, so today I'm, uh, we're going to be talking about a number of things. Uh, we're going to be mentioning Brexit, of course, uh, how things are going, which has been making the news in France. We're going to be talking about EU elections, of course, uh, which are somewhat linked to Brexit. Uh, and then there are a couple of other stories, one about uh, um, a person called Vincent Lambert in France who has been in a, uh, hospitalized. He's been brain dead for a few years and a massive legal and uh, other manners of battles have been waged about his um, uh, his fate, uh, which is really not fun, but has been making a lot of headlines in the past few weeks. Uh, and then I guess, Tom, we're going to be talking a little bit about abortion as well. Which is equally... <laughs> yes, don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> um, uh, no, we're going to be talking, of course, uh, probably people are, are somewhat aware that the state of Alabama in the United States passed a very strict anti-abortion law. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that. Um, and to, to finish on a slightly brighter note, uh, apparently you can't smoke anywhere in Beverly Hills anymore, almost. <laughs> that, so, uh, it's hard to find a place where it's legal to smoke in Beverly Hills, but if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can you can do it. <laughs> um, so we're going to be uh, looking forward to that as we sift through the uh, world-ending uh, controversies that are making the news 
in Europe at least. We'll see if it also does in the US, although the US has uh, its own uh, topics to tackle. But let's mm. start, as I mentioned, with Gareth. Um, essentially, Theresa May has uh, finally imploded, uh, I guess is the best way I can put it, according to the French press. Uh, but more widely, how is Brexit going? We don't have to spend, you know, an hour on that, but... Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think... You I was going to say, that, that's not a simple question to answer, <laughs> Well, I, I'm not sure. It might be a simple question because it might just be, um, you know, go, go back and watch the previous episode or listen to the mm. previous episode I was on because, honestly, I'm, I'm not completely convinced that anything has really changed. Um, you know, we've, we've got extensions upon extensions. Uh, we still don't really know what's going on. I think the... The press in the UK, it's difficult to necessarily know who to who to believe. Um, we've got another another couple of parties that have, you know, uh, political parties that have appeared out of the out of the woodwork who who may or may not be <laughs> be helping to resolve the situation. Um, so yeah, it's all still really just a bit of a mess, and I don't really think anybody knows uh, anybody knows what's going on, frankly. I'm hearing that uh, Boris Johnson uh, is possibly even likely going to be taking the head of uh, the party after Theresa May uh, allegedly resigns even tomorrow, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think it, we've yet to see whether she does actually stand down. I know there have been, there've been various various things saying that she's she said she's going to and, and, and the household has not given dates and times and things, but... Um, and then I, I honestly, I'm not. A, I, I probably should know this, you know, it, it being my country. But I'm not 100 percent sure how the election of the new head of the party goes. Mm. Uh, but but, but I, let's but, say she but, does. Yeah. Let's say she does resign, um, and and Johnson takes the the party, and I guess becomes prime minister or at least leads the party. Um, yeah. What are your feelings about her resignation? Um, I know she's basically popular with no one in the entire country is my feeling. Um, and Johnson is, uh, to say the least, a controversial figure. But as someone who's on the camp of um, UK should leave the EU, what do you think of both of those potential events? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, unfortunately, Theresa May, I think, has ended up with a really, really bad name. And I don't necessarily think that's completely her fault. Um, you know, she was... Yeah, as, as we said on the on the previous show, you know, we the, the British public wanted a a, a talking monkey, and uh, right, and so it an turns impossible out there task. is no talking monkey. Yeah, yeah she mm. she had she had an impossible task to do. She has attempted to do it and has failed, which, let's be honest, is not particularly surprising. Um, so she's ended up she's ended up with a bad name, um, and she's ended up with, as you say, everybody hating her because she's tried to walk down the middle and she's tried to make everyone happy, and that hasn't worked. Um, so it's a shame, I think, that she hasn't or that she's not going to be able to see the situation through um, and maybe resign after Brexit had been sorted. Um, but it looks like that's what's going to have to happen. Mm. Um, yeah. And with regards, you know, Boris Johnson coming in again, you know, he's had some really, really bad press. I mean, uh, he, I've seen him in a couple of the, you know, comedy TV programs that, that he's been on or the, the current affairs things. And he sort of seems to be quite plain talking, which I quite like, um, but then also seems to be lying and deceiving people and not necessarily <laughs> being completely uh, completely straight, um, which clearly, you know, is not good. Um, but 
he is pro Brexit. So I guess from you know from my if I take the hard line stand, which you know might not be exactly where my where my mind is at anymore, but if I take the hard line stance, he will be a good prime minister because he will get the job done. I think mm. um, at the expense of of half of the population of the country. Um, which, yeah, no matter what job gets done, it's going to be at the expense of half of the population. It just depends which half. Um, yep. So you think it might be possible for him to get it done? Because, as you said, it's half the population, so won't he face the same kind of opposition um, from the... from Actually, I was going to say from the other half, but from both halves, because some say the deals that May has proposed don't go far enough, and the others say that it goes too far, and I guess the situation will be would be reversed. I don't see how he could... Maybe he can do something, but um, you expect he might? I, I, I expect he's going to try, but I think Theresa May has been trying to walk more down the centre, uh, and, and, and I wonder whether maybe if Johnson comes in and is, is, is more... Uh, you know, harder line um, that might. Mm. You know, if he if he if he if he goes one way as opposed to go, trying to walk down the middle, that might get sufficient people to 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 vote for what he's suggesting, um, and it might just get it across the line. Mm. Okay. If I may, I feel like the the two main issues with Brexit are uh, the Irish border. And the fact that the European Union has said this is the deal, we're not changing it. What you, we can tweak the political declaration, but but otherwise we are not going back to the bargaining table. I don't know how anyone who isn't Theresa May gets around either of those. At least I haven't heard anybody suggest a credible way that they could solve this problem, which is why you see Theresa May continually saying, oh, here's the same thing in Helvetica. Here's the <laughs> same thing with some gold leaf. Like, oh, you don't yeah, like it now, but it's the same thing every time. That's the conversation we've been having for, what, a year now. And we keep coming back to it because, you know, as you reminded, Gareth, the promise was a talking monkey. Like for people who hadn't listened to that episode, we were saying someone was promising a talk, like a literal actual talking monkey. They were saying, yes, we can get a talking monkey. And when the talking monkey isn't produced because talking monkeys don't exist, uh, there's a problem. And I, yeah, I, I guess it's what you were saying, Tom, the Irish border and the deal that uh, the EU is proposing are probably not going to change so I get, how does it work? I guess it's more likely than a hard that a hard Brexit is gonna be the deal. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that we, you know, we're, we're voting today for for the, um, you know, for the the EU elections and not wanting to necessarily, you know, move on to that yet. I guess, but oh, I, we can. I'm sad, I mean, yeah, I guess it's all part of a of, you know very similar thing. But you know, I'm sat looking at the list of of parties that I can vote for, and and I'm thinking, oh, I've got UKIP, but but UKIP really, they, they sound like they're quite nationalist and quite racist, and I don't really want to be voting for them. Brexit Party is led by Nigel Farage. I don't want to be voting for him. All of the rest of the parties are basically then um, going back for a, a another uh, referendum to, to, yeah, to try and get a different... A different answer from the from the public, right? And I don't necessarily think that's what we ought to be doing either. You know, if you, mm. uh, you know, I am kind of of the opinion that we we had a referendum, the country voted, it was a slim margin, but it was a margin. Um, we should stick by that. I don't I don't think we should be allowed to then go back for another referendum just because it's 
proven difficult. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess difficult is understating it a little bit. But yeah, I see what but, you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know, having said that, I'm a realist, and if and if, as I say, uh, you know, if there is no talking monkey, surprise, surprise, <laughs> um, we can't have one. So actually, the the decision, you know, a lot of people made their decision about whether they wanted Brexit based on what it transpires to be a complete lie. Mm. So if we did have another vote, I'm fairly sure it would it would go the other way, and I, I suspect it would go the other way by a significant amount. Mm. Um, would you would you be for a hard Brexit? I wonder. Uh, I I think I would be, although I have to be a little bit careful because several of my customers would have significant <laughs> significant problems if we did. So that could cause me some some trouble as well. <laughs> um, in fact, just saying that out loud might get me in trouble. But um, I I think if you know if that's the decision that was made, you know if if the, if the answer is we either come to an agreement or or we just come out with a with a, with no deal. Then I think that's what should have happened, mm. um, but I, but I think it's been messed around with now for so long that that maybe that's you know maybe people ought to be given a second okay. a second chance to vote on it. Uh, All right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure as we always say about Brexit, this is going to be a continuing conversation. We'll see what happens <laughs> in the next few days, um, but. The, the, the very much related uh, uh, topic is the EU elections, which, <laughs> against all odds, the UK is voting for, um, which I, I have to add, apparently it's a, it's a public holiday for, for you guys for, on voting day, which I'm looking at the US there um, as I'm saying this, but... It's, it's, no, it's but not the farmers, quite. Patrick, the farmers. Right, right, of course. <laughs> they must go to market. Yeah, no, we we don't have a. It's not a public holiday quite, but we because we use lots of the um, the primary schools, so, so the schools where we've got um, got the little ones, um, they they use those as polling stations. So they close the schools for the day. So okay. it does end up being that lots of lots of parents have to have the day off to have their kids, um, and lots of the schools are closed. So but you get, so you have to use one of your days off. Uh, yes. Right, so it's not a public holiday at all. See, how it's many, not just us. Wait, wait. How many days off do you get a, a year? Uh, the uh, I've been self-employed for so long that I don't really know. I think <laughs> I think the minimum is twenty, um, and then we have eight public uh, bank holidays. Right, so minimum uh, twenty. There, I get you back, Tom. Uh, on no, 20, no, the solution, no, Gareth gave us the solution is just be self-employed. A free market will allow you to set your own days off. Yeah, All I right, think, I, I apologize for that. I had four days, I think. Four days, that's nice. Um, okay, so uh, EU elections. So the UK, because of all the delays, is voting in election to get a parliamentary, uh, to get, uh, how do you call the people who get voted in, not Parlementaire is in MEPs. French. Uh, MEPs, yeah, there MEPs, you go. members of the European Parliament. Um, so MEPs in the European Parliament, uh, in which they will, if all goes well, but we never know, uh, they will officiate for just a, a few weeks or months. Um, yep. How is that going? <laughs> well, I, I think most of the population are wandering around sort of with, with shrugging, um, you know, with a bit of a, well, you know, what's the point? Um mm. If we if we are going to be coming out of Europe in the next couple of weeks, which by rights we should be, then then we are spending a whole lot of time and money and effort to elect people that will then just you know come home and 
not have that position anymore. Um, and if we do stay in, I kind of get the feeling that most people are going to be voting based on the organisations or that the party's Brexit stance. Um, so that might not actually be the, you know, the best stance for the country going forward if we remain in Europe. You know, we should probably be looking at the at the full manifestos and, and trying to work out what people are actually standing for. But nobody's going to get past Brexit. You know, you know it really annoys me that we can't, I'm always struck by this in this show, but it annoys me so much that we can't have these kinds of conversations in other, you know, outlets. Because we are talking about things that we disagree on vehemently, but you're making a lot of sense. And when I talk to you, I hear someone who is completely coherent. And that is an image that is so different from the one, anyway, sorry, it's just... No, no. <laughs> no, well, thank you. I, you know, it's, I'm not completely sure that I think I sound coherent. But, um, if I sound coherent from the outside, that's good news. Um, yeah, do you know, right. people just get people get polarized, don't they? They, they people get upset, and people um, generally, uh, as as I said last time round, you know, I've 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 listened to to Patrick your podcasts, um, you know, in the past. I know that you're you're sensible and you will listen and um, you're not just going to jump down people's throats and, and start shouting. Um, so that's, that's why I'm happy to be here talking about it right, right. really. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping that I'm being similar. Well, <laughs> I, yes, absolutely. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't, you know, uh, you know, that's a thought I had. Um, this feels, I, the EU elections and Brexit feels like things that would devolve into wars in a different time i'm yeah. trying to see the the positive aspect of it and if it was a war i think we would be fighting each other gareth like we would be meeting on the battlefield and i would like to i would try to do some captain america move and and fall on my face and probably die in the first five minutes but this is the kind of thing that could lead to wars between nations which ironically have been avoided for the past 50 years or more because we've had a European Union because but that's a, the, you, yeah exactly. yeah I mean, but that's you, you're, assume, you're assuming there that you're Captain America what can I not be Captain America <laughs> <laughs> we can all be, be Captain, Captain America Tom won't disagree um, but yeah in this EU election it's been sorry Tom did you want to add something no I, I, I was just suggesting Captain Britain as a role carry on <laughs> oh, there is a Captain Britain. Unfortunately, there isn't a Captain France, not a, a Marvel one anyway. Um, Capitan. Yeah, he, he would probably be, you know, the, the, the dude fighting with baguettes and stuff, wearing a beret. We have uh, <laughs> Super Marcel or something like that in France, which is, of course, a, a big joke. That's not what I mean. I want French Captain America. That, that would work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, these elections, even in France, um, have very much become... A, a kind of a different fight, but it's a fight that has been happening for um, a, a few decades now. A fight between uh, the 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 quote unquote regular parties and the far right parties. In, in a sense, in essence, it's the EU friendly uh, parties and the nationalist parties. And the main one is, of course, the Front National that has been um, essentially transformed into the Rassemblement National. And this time, more than ever, um, this is becoming a referendum between do we like 
the EU or not. And of course, um, in this EUism versus nationalism part uh, fight, um, nationalism doesn't get uh, a majority, but it's the question of how, which one, which party will get the most, uh, uh, the highest uh, um, uh, uh, percentage. And currently, both the party at in power uh, in France, in, in government, the um, uh, République En Marche and the Rassemblement National, so Marine Le Pen's party, are neck and neck at about, I believe, 20% of um, votes, some something like that. And the others are a little bit below to very much below. And it seems the, the vibe we've been getting uh, in the, the media is that this is the fight that has been happening in Europe. I think deservedly so, has been happening in Europe for the past a long time, but very uh, starkly for the past five to 10 years. And nationalism has been rising in all of Europe, uh, different spots here and there. But it, Brexit is one example of it. And uh, you have other countries that have um, far-right nationalist governments uh, all through Europe. And of course, there are many in France who are saying from the uh, left side of the political spectrum, many are saying the issue is that um, capitalism needs to be reined in because it's serving a part of the population, but some are, are being forgotten. And this is the voices we're seeing expressed in the movements like uh, Brexit and uh, Trump's uh, uh, election and the, um, uh, the, the, what's happening now. And if only you had... I, I want to make sure I convey this... Um, part of the French narrative, because I think the people listening would be angry at me if they if I didn't, because it's an important voice. Uh, and they're saying if we didn't uh, let capitalism, of course, most of them would probably agree for all their rhetoric, they would probably agree that capitalism is the model we need to follow, but it needs to be reined in much more aggressively than it is now, in order to serve the people who are not, who are being left behind. Um, so this is one of the, the voices that's being heard, and Macron's party, the president, uh, so the République En Marche, is uh, um, an example of not being tough enough on uh, capitalism and capital gains. Um, and anything left of the socialist party, which, again, socialism means a lot of different things throughout the world... In France, socialism is not communism. It's just uh, social democracy, essentially. But even social democracy is, to the people who are defending this point of view, a little bit too much to the right. So anyway, make of it what you will. I personally don't really agree. I think the issue is that nationalism is promising talking monkeys and making um, issues of things that are not as problematic as they make it out to be, and they're scapegoating things that are not responsible. But that's, you know, my opinion. Obviously, a lot of people, Gareth included, are uh, think that it is indeed the lack of agency and the issue of immigration and many others are significant and that they should be uh, fought through possibly leaving the EU. So I'm not quite sure that uh, the Rassemblement National is advocating for leaving the EU outright. I don't think that's the case. This is something that is not as popular, but it has other controversial stances that are um, 
being discussed and and frightening a lot of people who are not because again remember they're very strong but they are strong because they are 20% maybe the largest party in the country but it is very very unlikely that they would get any sort of majority um in a, a general election it's just that they get in the relative ones they might be the biggest party so anyway this is the sense we're getting now in France and i think it resonates throughout Europe um it's a bit it's a bit scary to be honest i personally i don't even know how I'm going to vote. I'm going to go back to France to vote uh, in a few days. Um, and to me, the big issue is uh, climate change, which, again, I'm sure, you know, the people voting for uh, the nationalist parties probably don't have uh, a lot of uh, uh, concern about. But it, I, I end up having, and I, I'll finish on that, I end up having to weigh two different issues. Which one is the most pressing? Is potentially damaging our relationship with the European Union, which is to me a cataclysmic issue because I was joking about peace earlier, but I really do think that this was a huge, uh, one of the many, many advantages that EU, the EU brought us versus um, the cataclysmic, maybe cataclysmic, cataclysmic is a bit overemphasizing it, but the very serious damages that climate change could be doing over the next few years and, and couple of decades if it's not reined in. So I don't know if I should vote for uh, the government or just to, to stop the nationalist party, which, yeah, or uh, vote green. So I don't know. I'm, I'm lost and a little bit afraid. And that's where I stand. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because the Economist's BBC coverage that I have been viewing has presented uh, the climate in Europe as trending more towards union uh, and less about separation, which, which is, is a very different perspective than, than what you're painting right now. Yeah, it's not at all what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's even if the Rassemblement National, the far-right party, is, as I was saying, not necessarily advocating for a Frexit anymore mm -hmm. that bit them in the last uh, um, presidential election, they are defi definitely nationalist, uh, and they would want uh, to go in that direction rather than the opposite. So at least in France, and we're, maybe it's a function of the um, uh, context of our election, but we're hearing about all of the other countries in Europe where this is also happening and the, about the growing tensions between Macron and uh, Merkel, who, you know, don't see so much eye to eye anymore and all of these things, which essentially the headline could be EU in peril. And, and that would, you know, uh, it, I might even make it the title of this episode because that's how it feels like. Do, do you think that the, that the Brexit situation is making that worse? You know, is it, a, uh, you know, well, worse or better? Maybe, maybe initially it was, <laughs> oh, look, you know, if, if the UK can, can get out, then maybe we, you know, other countries should as well. But maybe they're now looking at the situation and saying, ah, well, maybe maybe the UK can't get out. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't possible. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think it's helping. Um, but at the same time, the I think the EU wanted to make sure, not in a malicious way, but wanted didn't want to make it easy for the UK, right? It, it, it wasn't going to throw the UK a party for that decision. And I guess it did bring a little bit of pause 
to other nationalist parties um, in the union. But I wouldn't say, it doesn't feel at least from what I'm, I'm hearing and seeing, it doesn't feel like they are all of a sudden saying, oh, well, it can be done, so let's not even discuss it anymore. There are still people who are saying it, you know, um, arguing about all the things that have been argued about in the UK. So I, I couldn't tell you. I think overall it's probably a net positive because it, it the disaster of Brexit <laughs> is showing that it's not as easy as some people might have uh, made it think. Um, but it's still not... Uh, it didn't quell, uh, you know. It didn't quell the, that fire. Is that a phrase? It will be. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the fire, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, the I, I, Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, we 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 did start the fire. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at uh, there's a, there's a website that I've been having a little look at, which is meprankingdot.eu. Um, where I've no idea how they give the rankings, but they they rank every uh, every member of the european parliament and and as i'm just looking at the map i just see this big gap in the middle which is switzerland and i guess that's part you know part of my logic was well you know switzerland are managing absolutely fine could we could we not be in that situation and I, you know and i think that's well where my a lot of my logic kind of kind of goes yeah um, i'm not an expert on switzerland but i think they have a lot of uh they they have a lot of regulations that put them in in uh in line with things that happen in Europe uh in the EU i i just recently read that they had to change uh gun regulation actually to yeah vo study. voters voted in favor of right. harmonizing gun regulations with the EU which was a surprise to me it it was a surprise to me as well uh but i think overall of course it is still a little bit different but it still has if it wants to work with the EU it still has to um, you know, it's it's one I think of the situations that um, the the people who were against Brexit were saying the UK might fall in, which is to an extent maybe not exactly, but to to, to an extent still have to abide by some of the re regulations of the EU without having the agency that it currently has or did have. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I don't know. I maybe we should ask uh, uh, our Swiss friends uh, for, for <laughs> an assessment. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is that you know not everybody is quite as polarized as the as the press would make out. You know, my mm. my opinion, as you know, as we discussed, is that we I think we should leave Europe. It probably still is that, but I don't necessarily think that that means we should leave Europe. We should go back to the old British wiring schemes, and we should change the, you know, the train. <laughs> track sizes and uh, you know I, i'm not advocating let's let's completely you know close the tunnel uh, you know let's not be silly um, but that's you know that is was what is frustrating currency that. reform <laughs> <laughs> that's what's frustrating in that debate is that the uk already has the and let's not rehash everything every time we we no. talk about this but you realize the UK already has a pretty sweet deal with the EU where it has to abide by the least amount of, you know, regulations and agreements of all of the EU, right? So I don't know. I'm sure there might be, you know, a situation where it would be even less and still work with the EU. But I don't see what the better situation would be unless you close the border, in which case then you're indeed not in the EU and it's that... Uh, you can't have it both ways, right? If you close the border, then you have more agency on your uh, border control, but then you don't have free trade and you don't have free movement of people. 
And then that's that doesn't solve the problem you're trying to solve if you don't do those. That's anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So have you been hearing about the um EU elections, uh Tom? You mentioned that the the the, the BBC was making it sound uh like it was all roses and, and <laughs> I think it was more the around. economist that, oh, that, was, that was presenting that part of it. But maybe they were just focusing on uh, the fact that these nationalist parties are no longer pushing Nexit and Frexit and, right. and, and sort of moving back towards the center. But mm. yeah, I'm always... I think a, yesterday, a, a, uh, what's his name, Thierry something, actually pushed Nexit uh, yesterday mm. or the day before in a debate, which was, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's it's Netherlands exit for those who don't know. Uh, or, yeah, I like the idea of it just being the next country to design. <laughs> right. uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been seeing a lot uh, about the EU elections through the BBC and, and on the Economist podcast that I listen to, for sure. Mm. I guess the this on is... On Politico and The Hill? No, not so much. Right, it's right. Not, That's not really what I was going to get. I don't at. see it in the LA Times. Mm. The Americans don't care about good old... I guess they have enough to worry about with China already, with what's happening um, there. Yeah, has, has Trump suggested that America should leave Europe or not? <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other uh, topic that has been very uh, actively discussed in France um, has been the... Uh, oh, actually, I should mention there's another thing that has been um, uh, making the headlines. It's the uh, summons of a few journalists for their investigation, the, the summons... For, from the police um, of a few journalists for their investigations into um, uh, controversies and and scandals by the government, many including um, issues in in war zones and stuff like that, and it's been kind of a um, uh, uh, big. Uh, um, I can't find the English word. People have been, especially in media, have been very unhappy about this because it, it kind of stifles the freedom of the press um, to an extent, or it's at least very uh, uh, concerning. And it's after the voting of uh, counterterrorism laws from a, a few months or a couple of years back. And uh, I don't know enough. It's really breaking now, and I haven't really uh, investigated that too much, so I'm not going to dive into the explanation. But... I would be remiss if I didn't mention it because it's been um, quite a big deal over the past couple of days. But the other big uh, uh, story was the Vincent Lambert um, issue. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Vincent Lambert is a, a young man who's been in the hospital uh, and, and after an injury. Um, I think he was a fisherman, but um, he's been brain dead for a number of years. And uh his case essentially the problem is um his parents are uh very um fervent christians i believe i mean regardless they would like him to be uh kept alive um and his wife and and other family members think that um he shouldn't uh, allegedly he said that he didn't want to be uh, kept alive if he became vegetative vegetative um in a vegetative state and uh but they he didn't put it in writing and so his case has been in uh the courts for 
a long time and recently the courts ended up deciding that uh, he should be taken off life support but then uh, because of uh, uh, um, uh, 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 regulation in the UN I think uh, the court ordered according to the opposite uh, party in the case uh, under pressure ordered that he be kept alive like a few hours after he was they were making the preparations for taking him off life support so the case itself is obviously uh, uh, pretty uh, upsetting and, and pretty tragic but around it um, the whole debate about whether or not uh, uh, life support should be ended has reignited and taken the country um, the country has been taking it at heart in a way that I didn't expect uh, it would and it I mentioned that the the parents are uh, fervent Christians I don't think it's quite as relevant as some people um, hearing this in the U.S. might think. Of course, it's a factor, um, but it's really a philosophical debate, I think, in France. And I don't know that the country is divided right down the middle. Um, It probably isn't. But the debate in this case in particular is especially difficult because it's the parents versus uh, the spouse. And there's bitterness and and anger, of course, and, and sorrow for that poor man who's being kept in, in life support. Um, and, and, you know, sorrow because either he deserves to be kept on life support, according to some, and, and the others are threatening to take him off, or the opposite. He's suffering and he's being put through that suffering um, because of some uh, someone else's beliefs. So this is the topic that has been discussed. And it's been very, very active. I think overall, um, if I want to characterize uh, the mood around it, it's not a mood of um, vehement uh, um, arguments and angry debate. It's more the mood of, except for the partly parties directly involved, of course, it's more a mood of, holy crap, this is such a difficult question. What do we do? Right? It's It's... Half hands off, not hands off, like it's not our um, place to decide for the people involved, but we are looking at it in dismay and thinking, maybe I'm projecting my opinion, but um, I think the, the country is more looking at it in, in uh, as I was saying, dismay and thinking, I don't know that I have the right answer. Um, well, yeah, and it does make me uh, seriously consider drawing up a living will uh, because that mm. that would have helped. It, it may not have solved it, but it would have helped if if there was clarity on exactly what his wishes were. But since I think it would have solved it. Nothing written th- down. Yeah, I think yeah, it would yeah. have solved it if he had. Uh, then the the court would very easily execute sure. his will. You still might have some families objecting and and, sure. and all of that, but you would you would have clarity around his issues around his wishes, and and I think that would have that would have helped quite a bit. It's when you don't know for sure what he really wanted, exactly. uh, then it then it's up to the family, and if the family doesn't agree, well, the, there isn't a clearly agreed upon right or wrong in that situation. No, I mean, I guess you would assume that the that the wife would be the. Uh, in the UK, we use the term next of kin. Uh, I don't know whether that translates well, Patrick, mm-hmm. or not. But, yeah. you know, so um, the, the, as far as I'm aware, you know, my wife, if I was in that position, would make that call. I, you know, um, my and I parents, think I'm sure, would have an opinion, but but they would go with what my wife said. Uh, that's the heart of the of the discussion here as well. And I guess 
that um, there is some legal argument why she is not uh, being um, the, the, the one to make that decision. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Maybe there is um, proof that uh, from the parents that he used to think maybe there's a document that says, you know, I don't want to be taken off life support because of his religious beliefs in the past. And maybe he had, um, according to his wife, uh, he had, I, I'm just making stuff up now, but I'm wondering <laughs> if that's not the case. He had strayed from that and decided that he, he didn't want that anymore. Um, but I'm thinking that might be part of the, the, the legal uh, battle. Uh, and the, the, there certainly is a very complicated legal battle around it. So I can't imagine it's just, um, you know, oh, this person is responsible and then that's it. Yeah, maybe maybe part of the lesson to 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 learn, if you know, to, to to take a lesson away from it, would be to say, actually, it might be a good idea to have some, whilst they might be difficult, but some open conversations with your close family about, even if you don't officially write a living will, and you know, don't don't get the the lawyers and solicitors involved, but to at least make sure that, you know, over dinner at some point, you say right, yeah. just so, just so you all know, this is this is what I'd like to happen. I um, wonder if a tweet counts. <laughs> maybe there have been maybe. there have been some cases where tweets were were or were not accepted in, in court cases yeah that's interesting i you know it's really difficult for me as well because i i don't know what i would want it's if you're just quote unquote asleep and we don't know that the person is suffering for sure i don't think um and if you're not i mean if you're in a vegetative state it is extraordinarily ridiculously unlikely it's like you know a chance and we can't conceptualize how unlikely it is that things will reverse essentially it's impossible um and so but if you're if you're not feeling anything i guess what's the harm in keeping you alive i don't know maybe there are studies that shows you do feel there have been recent studies that have found uh indications of consciousness in people that were thought to be otherwise brain dead uh, it's it's just a limitation of our knowledge and our ability to know what's really going on and, and what consciousness actually is and whether those activities are just, you know, fluctuations or whether they indicate some kind of awareness. Uh, so it's it's such such well, a gray area because you can't you can't it, know for sure. But like you say, it's it's highly improbable that he is going to recover or that he knows what's going on. And that makes it even more difficult because mm -hmm. let's say there is some shred of consciousness in there. Does that mean that you are constantly semi-aware that you are, you know, you can't move or do anything or, and you, Ugh, you know, yeah. that is even worse. So that becomes, should you, you know, interrupt care as mercy indeed, as some, you know, that is a form of suffering, I'm guessing, uh, I don't know. I, I again, I don't. That's why it's such a complicated issue. No one has the answer, I suppose. No, I think that the the other thing is that you have to consider that uh, if if somebody did make a recovery, what what would that recovery look like? Mm -hmm. um, you know, would would, the, would that recovery actually be in a position where you, you have a quality of of life that you would like to have going forward? Um, I guess you know, if so. you have the thing is if you have enough of a recovery then, you know, there are people who are uh, heavily handicapped, handicapped and who live their, their lives and who might be not satisfied, it's the wrong word, but who, who would be, of course, much uh, very glad that they are able to live that life. But if you do make a recovery, at least 
you can express your your desire you know <laughs> so that then that that becomes a different conversation but mm. i don't know um but yeah so all of this made me uh of oh the children are home i guess the, the, the children are yeah are shouting <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're saying dad you have to go vote it's important to vote don't you know forget i'm sure yeah I'm I, sure. i think that they're saying dad we've just kicked the ball over the fence uh, can you go and get it back actually so <laughs> uh i feel very bad to keeping you from your from your children keeping you from being a dad i apologize no that, that they'll they can find some some sticks to play with or okay. something it'll be All it'll right. be fine <laughs> um but right so that that uh discussion um kind of echoes a little bit what i've been hearing well i mean it seems that the discussion let i just Uh, jump right into it it seems that the discussion about abortion is a lot more i think the first word that comes to my mind uh, is vicious in the u.s and maybe that's not the right word but it's the one that that i um that echoes in my mind when i think about it yeah it's strident it is it is it is a very uh strident debate it's it's a litmus test for many people uh who who have uh supported the current president Uh, despite disliking many things about him because they feel he will uh, push forward on right to life. Uh, and and that is something that we have now seen uh, with a couple of judicial nominations on the Supreme Court. Now the state of Alabama has passed a law that will outlaw nearly all abortions in the state if the law is upheld, which I'll get to that is a big if. Uh, the new law makes it a crime for doctors to perform abortions at every stage of a woman's pregnancy. Now, critical here is that it does not punish the woman. It punishes the doctor. Uh, it includes an exception for cases when the mother's life is at serious risk, uh, but it does not include exceptions for rape or incest. Um, this is going to be challenged in court. Uh, it is likely because of the precedent of Roe versus Wade not to pass muster. The question is, can they get it to the Supreme Court or if other states uh, pass similar laws, which are under consideration in a few other states, could they then gather those together to convince the Supreme Court to rule on it? And if so, would the current Supreme Court decide to overturn Roe versus Wade or would it not? That that's that's what this is all about. Can you? I mean, I think we all know Roe versus Wade is the um, decision that made uh, uh, abortion legal in the U.S. on a federal level. Um, what was the case? Do you know? Or maybe it doesn't even matter. Man, you asked me these questions. I, I could have prepared. Uh, <laughs> okay, it does. Well, it doesn't really matter, uh, to be honest. It, it's it's a right to privacy that protects a, a woman's uh, right to choose whether or not to have an abortion. Uh, it was privacy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, it it does hinge on that. Okay, that's interesting. And I the right is not absolute; it must be balanced against government interest in protecting health, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Wow. So it's a it's essentially a right wing argument, I suppose. If you have to classify it in that way, I, no? I feel like I have not given you enough information to make that statement. <laughs> right? I don't know. I hear privacy <laughs> and government not interfering in your um, affairs, and I think right wing. But yeah, that's the short. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not necessarily the case. Um, so when you say uh, doctors can't perform abortions at any stage, it means like even in theory, five days you can't. Uh, correct. That uh, under this 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 Alabama law, that that right. would be the case. Uh, again, this law is not 
going to be enforced, uh, at least not at this stage. It's it's going to be challenged in court, and it is highly unlikely, uh, given Roe versus Wade as a, a precedent, that it would not be found unconstitutional, or or I guess not be found invalid uh, at this point. But uh, this, so this, this it's been voted on, is, but it, no, it's on hold. Yeah. Well, no one expects it to hold up to court scrutiny the first time around. This is part of a longer battle. Uh, Pro-life advocates uh, know that they have to do this a few more times to get it to the Supreme Court. Uh, The reason this hasn't happened before is there was no hope that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe versus Wade in the past. And so the the attempt has always been to chip away and find just how far you can you can chip away at the precedent of Roe versus Wade. But now that they they feel that there's a chance the Supreme Court might overturn, uh, there there's a there's a bolder move, and Alabama's is the first step in that. So is there is there an amount of of religion involved in this as well? It's <laughs> you know with it being the southern states, I mean from from an outsider's standpoint, that religion seems to be quite a big thing. The further south in the U.S. you go. I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's that is certainly the the stereotype. Uh, I I think it has more to do with conservatism uh, that to get it passed than it does with just religion. Uh, there are, there are many religious people in the north who are pro life, and there are many religious people in the south who are pro choice. Uh, but there there certainly is the the cultural stage in Alabama for this to be more favorable uh, because of the elected officials and the the body that passed this is, you know, the people who voted for it were entirely men and I believe mostly, if not entirely, white men. Would you expect people who are not religious to be pro-life? Yeah. I guess in the U.S. most people are religious. It's rare to have none. Well, actually, no. Most people are not religious in the That's United true. States. That's true. Uh, <laughs> it's, an, uh, it's it's just a a, a large number uh, and 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 a vocal vocal number that are religious. And and it ha- and the United States has a religious heritage too. So even the non-religious tend to respect uh, in the middle ground anyway uh, religious beliefs a lot of time there there's you know there's a lot of people a lot of fence sitters in the united states to be honest mm. uh, i will I, add that from personal experience there are a lot of people who are uh who who are not religious who fear saying they're not religious mm-hmm. by it, you know, that's what because, i mean about that sort of respect it's it's sort of like well i'm not religious but i'm not gonna make a big deal about it whereas mm-hmm. if you're religious uh a lot of people don't want to make a big deal about that either it's it in it, it sure. depends on whether you're reading something online or talking in person talking in person people don't really like to bring up religion with each other well so i'm i'm very curious sorry gareth i'll i'll okay. give you the talking stick again in a second but i i find it hard to believe and that might be my bias uh, and, and the image I have of the U.S., that this could be characterized as a non-religious issue, Tom. And I know oh, that gosh, no. is- yeah, no, if that that is that is absolutely the case. The the the, okay. the abortion rights debate is is very much along religious lines. Right, uh, right. It, it is not. I, I, it is not to say that there aren't pro-life people that aren't religious, uh, or vice versa. Mm. I, I think what I was trying to say is. Just because it's the South isn't, you know, isn't why this has momentum. There, there are laws on uh, being proposed in northern states as well. Um, but there is more of a culture of conservatism in Alabama, which is, I think, why this got through their legislature first. Okay. Yeah, but I was just thinking that I, uh, 
one of the things that, that we say quite a lot in the UK is that if you don't want to get into a fight, you should not talk politics or religion. Given the amount of politics we've already had, I just thought it was worth throwing religion into the mix. Yeah, right. No, I think it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, of you know, another thing I stumbled across here, Patrick, that I just want to throw in the mix is Nevada, uh, the state of Nevada, also a conservative state, passed a bill on Tuesday uh, re- reducing restrictions on abortion, uh, getting rid of a requirement that a doctor tell a pregnant patient about emotional implications of abortion and removing criminal penalties for in- inducing abortion without the advice of a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the distinction here is the Nevada legislature that passed this bill is majority women. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. That is surprising, actually. There is a legislature that is majority women. <laughs> that is, well, that's, that's a good it is the country's first majority women legislature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to gloss over the fact that we are um, three white men talking about this, but, you know, mm. sorry, I try. But um, actually, for this episode specifically, I didn't think abortion was going to be a huge deal. So I didn't try for this one. But anyway, you get my meaning. Um, and. I do want to mention... Sorry, Gareth. Go, go ahead, I'll... No, 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 sorry, you're fine. No, I'm good. Um, it did spark conversations in uh, France, at least, uh, as well, because those questions are being raised uh, in Europe also, uh, questions about abortions and women's rights. And um, I think they are a lot less likely to become uh, reality in most of European countries. Some of them um, might act on them, a few, but even that I think is somewhat unlikely. But the question is being raised more and more. And I think that the way we approach it in France, the, you know, very uh, uh, non-religious people that we are, um, and even that is, we have a tradition of Christianity, but it's just, we keep things separate, I think, a lot more than others do. Um, I think the, the, the way we look at it um, is I often, when we have Tony on the show, our, um, our friend from the US who is a, a pro-life uh, uh, American, um, we often go into the idea that if you think that life begins at conception, then it would make sense that you would want to protect it. And you see um, ending that life, an abortion, as killing a human being, um, which is some of the debate that comes up with the uh, issue of Vincent Lambert, which we discussed earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way we look at it over, you know, in general is that, uh, we mentioned that in the show before, it seems uh, um, difficult to make the argument that the moment the egg is fertilized by the sperm all of a sudden, that is a person. And similarly, um, it seems that, you know, at, let's say, eight or nine months, it's pretty clear that at that point, it's essentially a baby. So it's difficult to say when that happened, but the, the first few days or maybe a couple of weeks or a few weeks, let's say in, for us in, in France, it's, it's three months where abortion is, is uh, legal, um, Unless you have some outside system, uh, in this case, in the case of many people, religion, that tells you this is when life begins, it's difficult to, 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 to put a, a clear point 
on where it begins. And I think most people would agree at some point it begins, but certainly not in the first, you know, month or two. Uh, because when you look at what's actually in there, it's a... Uh... Anyway, so you get you get my, my meaning. But that's the... Um, the way we look at it. And of course, um, the uh, considerations of, of of women in general are very much in everyone's mind and women's rights and reproductive rights and all of that. Um, and that debate, I think, can't really be pushed further without uh, having a woman present, so I won't venture uh, in that direction. But that's essentially, I think, what what how we look at it. Yeah, the two, the last two conversations are very, very similar, aren't they? You know, mm. we we don't know enough about the human brain to know exactly what's going on in there, and and I think until we're in a position where we do know more, it's incredibly difficult to say at what point that bundle of cells becomes a person. Um, it's very difficult to say when that bundle of cells stops being a brain and when it starts just being another bundle of cells again. So it's and it's a really, really difficult question to answer, mm. isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's always interesting to me that the debate around uh, euthanasia, right to die, assisted suicide, uh, is even though it is controversial, is still less intense than the debate about around the right to life, because it <laughs> because it's about children, and and we are just emotionally wired to be more protective. Uh, and and more intense around issues regarding children than we than we are around uh, the end of our own lives. I think. Well, I think I there's this- there's that, but there's also the fact that it impacts the woman's life. Also, you know, that adds to the oh, certainly, yeah, yeah, and, and I think that even more. Well, maybe equally uh, as much as the fact that it's children makes it um, not controversial, but heats up passions. Intense. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's also there's an assumption that when you're looking at, uh, you know, the right to die and, and euthanasia kind of side of things, you're sort of making the assumption that the person has made that choice themselves already. Right. Whereas with, with abortion, mm-hmm. no, no choice has been made by that individual. The, you know, the choice is being mm-hmm. made for them. And again, that's it's the same with the previous case. It's not clear whether he wants to be kept on life support or not. Mm-hmm. So that's why it becomes a, a more uh, a, a bigger argument right, because it's, right. it's not clear whether it's his choice or not. And I think that's the issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had a big conversation in the uh, in the Slack for um, the the show, which is accessible to the to the patrons. Uh, feel free to become a patron if you enjoy the show at patreoncom slash the Club, uh, which involved um, adoption as well, which is of course a a, a very big part of that conversation because the people who are uh, um, against abortion say, you know, we understand it's not easy. We're not saying, hey, it's going to be fine, just have a kid. But uh, you, we should rely on um, on adoption for those difficult situations, which, of course, is not the ideal situation because you still have to carry the baby and be separated. It's terrible. But, you know, if you're saving a life, I think that's a big part of the debate. Um, and I, I'm not sure I'm, you know, qualified to discuss it, but that's also a, a, an argument that has weight. I think. What's? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, if it, you know, if it was if it was clear that uh, you know adoption systems or, or foster caring or you know the state looking after the, you know the young people, mm. if it was clear that that was a good thing and it was it was well done and that they would have a good experience, 
regardless, then that might make it an easier decision. Um, well, yeah. But <clears throat> yeah. let me play devil's advocate for a second. No matter how bad um, their early years, or maybe, you know, for some, their life will be, is it better if they didn't live at all, right? If you're looking at it through the eyes of someone who believes this is... And regardless of when you think life begins, there's the potential for life in um, the, the fetus. And if you extinguish that potential, then that person that they might have become is not going to exist. And so to make it clear, I'm very much uh, uh, pro-choice. <laughs> But I think this argument makes sense. If, or makes sense. The question is valid. Would that person, is it better if they didn't exist or if they were brought up in a system that is difficult, but that would allow them to live and make a life for themselves and contribute to society and everything? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it, it, it doesn't answer the question, but it might make mm. the question easier to answer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, feel, I, I tend to, to bracket that off as, well, if we all decided uh, that every uh, pregnancy must be carried to full term, and I'm not suggesting that's what should or will happen, but uh, if we all decided that, then we would tackle the problem of how do we make sure that that children uh, are taken care of, which we should already be tackling. Yeah, that's the thing. So They're me, already not like, being taken care of properly. I feel I like it's it's tempting to want to focus on that part, that mm. end, because that's a solvable problem, right? Uh, even, if, even if we don't have an easy answer, we can all figure out how to better take care of children in the world. Uh, it, it keeps us away from the, the much thornier problem of when does life begin and all of yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scout leader and have been for you know for, for several <laughs> years. And we, you know, part of the reason that I do that is because I know we get we get kids that come through come through scouting who mm. who get opportunities as a result who wouldn't mm -hmm. otherwise. And, you know, yeah, and yeah. if uh, if the state were looking after them a little bit better, maybe maybe we wouldn't need scouts. Maybe that's a bad thing. But you know, um, so you know, it's surprising that uh, the people who are very much pro life aren't. Uh, voting for the 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 states uh to increase spending in that area I, i'm assuming maybe that's not the case maybe they're all no i i think that. the i think the feeling there is that uh charities and churches particularly uh can do that if we if we if we get to that point uh where, But where we can all focus on that we're already at that's that point. the belief anyway i i think we're already at that point i think you would most people maybe i'm wrong but i would think most people would agree that the um, systems for care of orphans or, you know, children who don't have parents isn't adequate, you know, or maybe that's pop culture, you know, movies showing me kids being bounced around the system and having terrible experiences. Maybe it's not the case in reality, but that's my impression. And it's the same in France. So maybe we can strike a deal, pro-lifers and uh, pro-choicers and say, all right, let's first make that system, maybe not perfect, but a very much improved and give those kids who have had been dealt a really bad hand something that we can all agree is a good hand and then we can discuss uh, abortions. No, I, well, I, I don't think it's a, a then. I, think, I don't think it's an either or. How about we all agree to figure out how to take better care of children while we're also <laughs> debating this other <laughs> the thing? Same time. We could do two things at once, really. I don't know because if we're 
moving forward on no abortion, then we're throwing more kids to have a, a difficult life. But it's a, it's a separate issue. Yeah, and, it is. And, it is. I understand. And, and I'm I just, you know, I'm and I think cheeky. we can. I don't think we have to wait to 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 work on one to work on the other. That's all. No, yeah, I, but I, I feel like sidetracked us there. No, no, but you're right. It is a it is a, a an important thing. But I feel like the reason I'm I'm cheekily referring to the people who want this thing without this thing is that I feel the ideological anti-abortion stance would be sated, but then the issue that we already have and that we could be addressing that no one would argue against, well, I mean, in defense of the children who who don't have parents, then that would not be necessarily a priority. The vehemence with which that abortion debate is being uh, debated is nowhere as uh, strong in um, the the taking care, you know, the welfare, essentially. And I hate that that is a word that has become kind of, kind of a dirty, dirty word when I speak to an American audience, but the welfare system for kids, um, if it's not appropriate, I don't feel like the right wing, generally, I think that's fair to say, right wing uh, um, position that is pro-life uh, would agree that we should increase government spending or whatever to better the welfare for orphans. Maybe that's me making an assumption. But now you're going to have an it, argument that the government isn't the best entity to care for children, uh, and and that's fine. We can we we can have a debate over what is the best way to create a system that cares better uh, for children, especially children without parents. Uh, and I think if we had people working together to figure out that. Uh, they might understand each other a little better and be a little less vehement about the other issue. Yeah, but it's not happening now, is my point. Right. It's not happening no, I know. now. I'm with and you I there. don't think that. And it should. Yeah, and it should. And it arguably should happen, well, maybe not arguably more than the one about, about abortion, but I don't think it would once the abortion discussion would be, quote unquote, settled into pro life, right? I, I think that discussion would not happen more after that than it does now. I don't think people. People care. Some people do, and I'm sure some people, especially in the Christian community, are you know concerned with this. But I don't see that discussion, which would become a lot more necessary. And we're not even talking about the issues about women's health here, but the issue which would become even more necessary to discuss. I don't think it would be discussed more. But anyway, um, maybe I'm wrong. Feel free to let me know if you believe I am. <laughs> All right, last. Last bit uh, of uh, conversation, which hopefully will be a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, and, and why don't you spark off the, the, the conversation? <laughs> uh, I'm, I've run out of puns. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, let's, let's clear the air, Patrick. Uh, uh, Beverly Hills, California is not only about hillbillies and rich people. It's also about government regulation. Uh, the city was the first in California to ban smoking inside restaurants back in 1987. Uh, it banned smoking outdoors at outdoor venues in 2007. It has laws on the books already that say you cannot smoke inside of your condo or apartment because secondhand smoke can seep out into other areas, other, other parts of the building. And you can't smoke on the sidewalk in Beverly Hills. And now they are and they have passed a bill to ban the sales of nicotine products. So not just cigarettes, uh, but also vaping within the borders of Beverly Hills. 
this is a kind of a, a, a symbolic act, uh, and and will hurt Beverly Hills coffers because they they you know won't have as many sales from their businesses inside the city, and you can easily drive less than a few blocks to Los Angeles and buy some cigarettes if you want. Um, but they are they are banning uh, the the sale of any nicotine product within the city limits of Beverly Hills, except in three cigar clubs, one of which. Uh, has Arnold Schwarzenegger as a founding member. <laughs> so so wait, this is the city administration level, and they yes. can do that on the city. It's not like Beverly Hills all of a sudden became its own state or something. No, Beverly Hills, <laughs> the city of Beverly Hills exists surrounded by Los Angeles, but it is separate from the city of Los Angeles. And so okay. they can say, okay, within our city, uh, you know, we, we have the right to, to govern what can and can't be sold within our city, right. and we're right. going to prohibit... Uh, the sales of nicotine. Mm. Yeah, you see, I, I'm happy to say that I'm a, you know, I'm an ex-smoker. I quit smoking, I don't know, 10, 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. And I, I find it very, very frustrating in the UK. We have lots and lots of anti-smoking, um, you know, billboards and packages of cigarettes in this country have horrible, horrible photographs on them of, of people in, you know, serious medical trouble as a result of smoking. Um, and I just sometimes think, I wish the government would just say, Do you know what, we, we're just going to ban it. We're just, mm. it's this bad for you. We're saying that you've got to have all these photos and, and you know, you're not allowed to smoke in public places in the UK. If, you, if you're outdoors, you're okay. But if, you, if you're surrounded, you're not. Um, I just wish they'd have the, the courage of their convictions and say, Do you know what, no, it's bad for you. It's costing the NHS money. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a drain on the system. Yes, we get some money in from taxes. Uh, you know, I guess somebody could do the maths there and say, does it cost the NHS more than, than we make in taxes? I, I would assume it does. Mm. Um, you know, let's do it. But that's an, th- an ex-smoker, and we are we are you know yeah. generally considered to be vehemently against <laughs> smoking as a you know as an ex. I think the uh, issue there is that when you you know the US tried banning uh, drinking uh, for a little while, it didn't work out so well. Um, and alcohol is more damaging uh, in in some ways. Well, I, mm, I think pretty it, bad, but yeah. they're pretty pretty close. Let's put it that way. Is it a short term, long term thing though? I, I uh, think with I alcohol, know, but... it's it's easier to drink enough alcohol to do yourself damage and other people damage <laughs> in the short term. It's it's better to yeah. smoke so much that you crash your car. Right, uh, it's more <laughs> a long term thing. But it, I mean, it's debatable. What's certain is that smoking is pretty bad for you. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think the reason why countries aren't outright banning it is because it would create immediately, you know, illicit channels and some a lot of, you know, dangerous situations. I think that's the well, reason. Um, one of the reasons is also an intensely powerful lobbying arm of the tobacco companies as well. It, um, it, but you know, but that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make what you say untrue. The, there and is the, the tax revenue, which is it, significant. Yeah, and the tax revenue. But if you make it illegal, uh, people are are addicted. They're going to go find a way to get tobacco, and then you create crime. You create an avenue for crime. Mm. I think it's even I mean, more I, than addiction. I think it's you need in society some measure of perversion kind of 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 ability to sin a little bit not in beverly hills not in beverly hills right you are a famous person who's a member of the grand havana room with governor arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) so i guess uh I'm slightly hypocritical because I, you know, I do. I also look at things and I think, well, maybe, you know, maybe we should relax the the drug laws in the UK as well. So I, you know, Mm. maybe on one hand, I think 
I think maybe it's a either stop complaining about all the smokers or or let's be more lenient generally. But I, well, but I don't think, you know, doing both just seems completely ridiculous. I think, so, first of all, uh, relaxing uh, uh, um, pot laws, yes, all for it. it. I'm, you know, all for that. But um, it seems, a even to me, it seems a little bit extreme to prevent it everywhere. Like, you need at least somewhere down the street you have like a smoking corner in Japan. They have a lot of those actually. Um, you can't smoke anywhere you want, but you have like every few hundred meters. Uh, that's a few hundred feet for you uh, Americans. <laughs> um, you have a, a smoking corner in the street, and you have to go there if you want to smoke stuff like that. So, yeah, but I mean, it's still it's just Beverly Hills. But um, you can smoke inside your house if you own it in Beverly Hills. What and about you can in the smoke garden? Inside the three cigar clubs, <laughs> but they're giving an exception. What about the like if you have a, a garden? Uh, can you smoke there and and send mm, the smoke? You know, to that's your... a good question. I don't know. I don't know if that's allowed. Uh, I wonder if it depends on how big your your garden is. <laughs> Put a roof on your garden. It is Beverly Hills, after all. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I mean, it is going to be smelled. You smell it, like mm -hmm. in in um, in France. We had a smoking ban in most uh, um, restaurants and and coffee places a few years ago, maybe fifteen years ago now. And you can still have a smoking section, um, and many of the coffee places do, but it's, it, I was very surprised at how well it went. Everyone thought, oh, it's going to be terrible, everyone's going to riot, and they're going to want smoke to, to keep smoking, blah, 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 and it went super well. Everyone was happy. Um, and even the smokers were like, well, when I'm drinking my coffee or tea, I don't necessarily want to have the, the smoke smell if I'm not smoking myself, so... Everyone was happy, and it. You know, I often remember when I take a plane. I remember I'm young, old oh, enough, yeah, <laughs> to remember a time when people were allowed to smoke inside a plane. Um, and they had a smoking section, as if yes. the smoke didn't just fill the whole cabin. It was. It crazy. was like it was terrible, terrible. Uh, <laughs> even as an occasional smoker, very occasional. Um, I I can't understand how that was ever thought to be a good idea by anyone. So I don't know. I'm in the middle ground, I guess, from Beverly Hills. Well, since we all put our credentials on the table, I quit smoking uh, just about 19 years ago, June 27th, wow. 2000. <laughs> you know the date. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was the day. I said when I turned 30, I'm going to stop smoking. And my birthday was the next day. So I was like, this is my last one. Right. Oh, and was Good it work. like a, a thought out uh, thing or... Did you just... It was. I, I had heard I, when I was about 23, I had heard an, uh, a radio uh, news report about a study that found if you quit smoking by the time you're 30, uh, that your lungs could recover more than 99 percent of their functionality. Uh, and I thought, great, I have seven more years <laughs> I can keep smoking because I was 23. But that's that like self hypnotized me. So by the time I'm 30, I'm like, well, I've been telling myself I'll quit when I'm 30. So mm -hmm. I got to. Nice. All Excellent. right. Well, I guess uh, that 
was a little bit, I don't want to say uplifting, but uh, it did clear the air a little bit. So thank you for that, Tom. And that sure. is going to be the end of our show for today. So before we leave, I'd like to remind everyone that um, you can support the show financially at uh, patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. Of course, the link is in the show notes. And if you enjoy what we do, uh, please do consider uh, sending a couple of bucks our way. Um, it is very, very much appreciated. There are a few of you who already do it and i love every one of you almost as much as i love my child almost um what if people want to hear more from you both where would they go tom well, uh, the best way to keep up with what I do is either go to TomMerritt.com or I can send you an email and just tell you every week. Uh, I send a nice little chatty email with links to all the shows that I do at FreeTomNewsletter.com. Uh, and oh, it just comes you. in your inbox. Yeah, uh, you can respond to it and, and ask me questions and I'll, I'll respond right back. Uh, I found it to be a very pleasant way uh, to chat with people about the things I do. One of the things I'm doing this week and next week is filling in for Justin Robert Young on the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, <laughs> which is very exciting for me because I consider his show and this show to be two essentials in understanding the world around me. Uh, so if you want to check that out, that's at politicspoliticspolitics.com. Yeah, I heard on DTNS you were doing that. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to hear the um, always uh, uh, even-keeled and neutral Tom in that, uh, I guess... Jury is, is. I was gonna say everybody says well. that, but Justin's show is actually pretty even-handed. So, well, uh, I, it's not like I'm gonna go off the rails, but I'm gonna talk politics. Right. I talked about uh, the president's temper tantrum uh, yesterday uh, when he, when he just walked out of a meeting on infrastructure and immediately held a press conference in the Rose Garden. I talked about the Ukrainian president uh, who was on a television show about being a president and is now the president and appointing all the people that helped him work on the television show to cabinet positions. It was really fun. Oh, is he doing that? I didn't realize. I know yeah. he was elected. He appointed yeah, a, a scriptwriter and two producers to his cabinet. That is... Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, that's that's the world we live in now. Um, you know what? Maybe it's going to turn out fine. Who knows? Uh, Gareth, what about yourself? Yeah, so nothing, nothing as, as grand as that. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have a Twitter feed. Uh, I'm at Gareth Westwood. Um, and I, I tweet very occasionally. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, that's where uh, best place to go. Excellent. Uh, the link to your Twitter accounts will be in the show notes. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Not Patrick in one word. And uh, this show is at Frenchspin.com. If you want to comment on what we said, please feel free to go in the comment section of the post for this episode. And uh, I don't know when we'll be back hopefully with a special episode next week but uh next week no i mean next month but uh yeah at some point ne next month we'll be back we'll see what happens thanks very much for listening don't forget about the patreon do it now because if you don't don't forget and we'll talk to you in a few weeks bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.